Merry Christmas to you all. Are you ready for Christmas? I can't believe it's come so fast, and it's good to see all your smiling faces. Those of you that are joining us online, thank you for welcoming us into your homes. And as you came in today, you all received a bulletin where there'll be an outline where you can follow along with, as well as some of the information that Pastor Chris was talking about on the video. So again, uh, just a reminder, we're going to have our, our Christmas Eve service. Make sure you join us for that later today, 3 p.m., We'll look forward to seeing you, and it's good to see a lot of uh, faces I haven't seen in a while. You know, it's this time of the holidays when we uh, are able to have family together, or maybe for some of us we're traveling elsewhere, but I tell you, the one thing that never changes is why we get together, to celebrate Jesus. Amen? Amen. 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 And so thankful that we can celebrate a Savior who came to die, yes, but when he uh, did his ministry, his whole purpose was to come for you and for me. And ultimately, to be crucified so that he could pay that ultimate price. But it all starts right here with the birth of Jesus. So we've been going through some uh, uh, different uh, stories in the Gospels about what took place. And today what I want to do is just take a little bit of time and talk to you about the wise men. And, and you may think, well, this is a Christmas story. We're at the Jesus thing, aren't we? Yes, we are. But what I want us to catch and what I want us to gather from these wise men, is how they not only approached Christmas, but what the Holy Spirit spoke to them in the middle of Christmas. And that'll be my question, one of my many probably questions for you today is, is what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Is it just another holiday? Um, you know, is it just about the presents? Is it just about the tree? Is it, is it just about, you know, Santa Claus or the Grinch, maybe, if it's your, your thing? Well, we all know it's about, it's about Jesus, but what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Because what we find in this story in particular is that wise men change their minds. Now, I'm not excluding that just to the men here, okay? Women, you are wise as well. But a wise person is one who is willing to change their mind. Has anyone here ever had to change your mind? Well, that's kind of a trick question. We change our mind all the time. It, Sometimes we're changing our minds on the little things and we just don't even think about it. And then there's the bigger things in life. And we have to know what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. So I want to take you to Matthew chapter 2, and I want to read verses 10 through 12 to start with. And we'll, we'll visit a couple different scriptures as we get through this. But wise men and women change their minds. Here's what it says. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now, almost every Christmas, we focus on the wise men at, at, at some, some point and how they made their, their long journey to go and to see Jesus. And, and we talk about how they worshiped him and, and the significance of, of the gifts that they had given to him. And that, and that makes sense. This is the primary focus of the Magi, their journey that they had taken. However, have you ever thought about the fact that the wise men had to change their minds? Have you ever had a plan and your plan changed? Uh, have you ever had it all figured out, and then all of a sudden God shows up and says something, does something else? 
the, the, the real question is not going to be, uh, will God ever speak? Uh, the question is, is are we postured to listen from him? And then when he does speak, are we willing to change so that we line up with him and line up with his word? This is what it's all about. Uh, Jesus came, he was born in a manger. He was born so that we could have uh, the ability to be with him for an eternity, so that we could have the ability to be in his presence. But sometimes God will change you in mid-direction. Have you ever been there? Yeah. And sometimes when he doesn't, it isn't always that pleasant, or, or at least it doesn't feel pleasant. And the reason it doesn't is because we don't see the whole picture, but he does. And there's times when God will do this, and he did this with the wise men. They had a plan. You, you can almost feel it. We, we were supposed to do this. This is the way it was supposed to work out. Find the Messiah. Give him some gifts. Turn around and go right back home. That was the plan, you know, and they probably had mapped everything out and tried to time it out so that they could get back to their homes. And, and, and the quickest and easiest way to do that would be to reverse the route that they took getting them there. We, we came through this way, and now we're going to go back this way because they knew where all the good gas stations were and all the good restaurants were. You know what I'm talking about? Anyone here ever take a journey and you do it based upon on restaurants or, 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 or maybe sightseeing or you know, popular spots? You know, you'll go out of your way and you'll take a journey and you've got a plan. And then all of a sudden, something happens and that plan changes. What are you going to do? When God is the one that's changing um, that plan. Now, me personally, I'm, I'm a foodie. Do we have any other foodies in the house here? Okay. So when we go somewhere, one of the joys I find in life is finding new places to go. They can be good, they can be bad, but it's enjoyable. But even in that scenario, if something happens and changes it, it, it can mess with me. And, and there's been times when God has spoken to me, he's spoken to you, and he's bringing change, and we have a choice to make. Are we going to are we going to obey or follow him, or are we going to resist and stay on our path? You know, uh, most of us change our minds more often than we change our socks, you know? We just don't think about that. But there's times that change can be rather difficult. Changing your position on an important issue, uh, a change in your theology. Uh, honestly, sometimes the change you may be dealing with right now might be life-altering, and you're trying to make some decisions based on that. So like the wise men, uh, it, it will change the path that you are on. Did, did you notice that, that they said, we, we came here, and I was warned in a dream. I, I, I thought it was just fatigue. I thought it was just the, the, the bad food I had last night. But he said, no, th there was that, that, that voice, the, the sense of the Holy Spirit. Like the wise men, when they made a choice, it changed their direction. They were warned not to return the way that they had, had arrived. And in those times, it would be a good idea to keep three things in mind. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the three things. They're in your outline. And I'm going to just kind of give them to you right up front. And then I'm going to talk to you about them. Okay? And so here's the three things that you can write down. That first one, you can put divine right next to it. You can put decide and right next to that, you can put dedicate. Divine, decide, and dedicate. You see, the wise men had a divine dream. You're going to hear me say these words multiple times, which is why I'm giving you these three words, and then I'll go, go into them. But the wise men had a divine dream calling them to change their minds about how to get home. 
And, and this wasn't necessarily just for their safety or their prosperity, but it was for the furtherment of God's divine plan. God had a bigger plan. He saw the bigger picture. Then they had to decide if they were going to follow this divine intervention or, or were they going to simply ignore it. They had a choice to make. No one in all of history would blame them if they returned home and, and went back the same way they came. God, God would figure out another way to protect the Holy Family, no matter what the wise men did. But he was inviting them into that bigger picture and into that process the same way he invites you and me into the grander picture of what he's doing in our life and in our, our, our futures. But the dedication, they had to decide, and they had to choose where they're going to dedicate themselves to this decision. They were prompted by a divine dream. Uh, it gave them a place of honor in the Bible for their obedience. So you can see in your outlines and up on the screen, divine means it's from God. Excellent. Or here's the great word, delightful. It, there's delight when, when God speaks to you and, and calls you. Now, it might disturb you at first, but ultimately it's going to bring delight into your life. And when I'm talking about deciding, it's about coming to a resolution in the mind. Because that's where we wrestle, don't we? It's where we wrestle the most. Coming to resolution in the mind as a result of consideration. You're thinking about that. And when I talk about dedication, I'm talking about devoting yourself or committing to a particular task or purpose. So when the wise men uh, were warned in a dream, they had a divine, and maybe scary at first, or was that God or wasn't that? But ultimately it brought delight into their life. But they had to decide. In here, right here in their mind. Am I, was that God? Did I hear you? And they had to make a decision and then choose to dedicate their, themselves to this particular task. And it's the same process that God uses with you and me. God will speak to us and then we have to decide if we're going to follow it and then commit to dedicating ourselves to that decision based upon what we heard from the Holy Spirit. See, the Bible is filled with people who had to change their minds about different things. Some of some of the more memorable Old Testament people would be like Lot. He changed his mind about where he lived. Uh, Jonah, he changed his mind about where he'd go. However, it took a whale, a whale to help him out there, right? Esther changed her mind about what she would say. See, th this carries on into the New Testament then. And, and I, I want to compare two people this morning. Um, and that's going to be this, the rich young ruler and Zacchaeus. Because we find their story in the book of Luke, one in one chapter, one right in the next. And I want to paint a picture and help you see how the Holy Spirit is continually trying to speak to us and, and say, wise people, wise men change their minds. Have you ever had a moment where you thought, you was that the Holy Spirit or not? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, there's times when you're like, I know I heard the Lord. And then there's times when you're like, I think I heard the Lord. And then there's the times when it's like, I'm not sure if that was the Lord. You know, and we can kind of get all over the place. And you learn to hear him based upon your presence. If, if you're way over there on that side of the room and you talk to me, I might hear a few of the words. But the way I'm going to hear it clearer is, is as I get closer and as I draw near and as I position myself so that I can hear. Uh, wise people change their minds, though. And um, let, me, let me give you an illustration, more of a practical one. But what I'm asking you to do is to continue to ask the Lord, what do you have to say? Where, where do I need to see change in my life? And how can I hear it? We, we were in Dallas, Texas for two years. We went to Bible college there. And um, while we were there, we didn't get a lot of time off. So 
when we did get time off, we tried to use it wisely, right, for date night and things like that. Well, Dallas had a lot to offer, and we decided, maybe I decided, somehow a decision was made, hey, let's go to a Texas Rangers baseball game, because it's not like we, we get the opportunity to do that very often. We found some tickets. We bought some tickets for kind of an affordable price. We've made the decision. We've committed to it. We've paid the price, and I think it was the day of. I just felt off. You know what I'm talking about? You ever feel that? You know, not off sick, like, ooh, man, I'm not feeling too good. It was more of a, I don't know, should we go to this game or not? You know? And so I didn't want to tell her because we rarely got date night. I've committed to this. But I finally told her, I said, I don't know. I'm feeling kind of like we shouldn't go to this game. And I'm like, doesn't that sound crazy? I've paid the price. We've made a decision. We, we've got a date night set up, but yet somewhere I, I was feeling this sense of not, we, we shouldn't go to this game, so I took it to my wife. Hey, th- we have this plan, but I, I'm feeling a check in my heart. I don't know how else to say it. I, I'm feeling like we shouldn't go, and she's like, oh, okay, and I, I think she agreed, and it's not that, I, I can't remember it at that time if she felt some, but we're like, yeah, you know, it's safer to make sure if you think it's the Holy Spirit, if we think it's the Holy Spirit, listen to that. And so we decided we're not going to go to the game. And um, it was a, a good thing we did not go to the game because later that night, um, we ended up in the hospital. And, and we, we had to go there because there was just some things going on that required us to go get checked out. And I thought, you know what? If I wouldn't have listened to that voice uh, and I would have gone to the game, not knowing much about Texas, I would have been at Texas Rangers Stadium. There would have probably had been an ambulance called. And now I'm thinking about, if you're like me, I'm thinking about how much that costs just to ride in an ambulance. And then there's the hospital visit, and then there's the hospital bills, and then there's getting back into the swing of school. And now we've got all this extra financial, and I was just like, Holy Spirit, you know what you're doing. You know? Now that's just a, a, a small example. But I had to decide, we had to decide, were we going to listen to that and trust that that was the Holy Spirit? or not. You may be going through situations in life where you're hearing the Holy Spirit, and you're just wanting to know for sure, for sure, that this is the Holy Spirit. He will speak to you, but he's calling us to come to a place where when he speaks to us, that we make a decision, and then we dedicate ourselves to what it is that the Holy Spirit has said. Let me take you back to these two people, and we're going to contrast the two, the rich young ruler and Zacchaeus. Uh, Luke 18 tells this story of the rich young man seeking Jesus to find out what he must do to gain eternal life. And here's what it says in Luke chapter 18. It says, You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these, the rich young ruler said, I have kept since I was a boy. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Uh, You ever have people, parents, grandparents say, I'll give you some heaven bucks, right? We're like, we're not buying that. He says, no. He says, if you listen to me, you will store up treasure in heaven. And he said, then come follow me. And when he heard this, the rich young ruler, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Now, just one chapter later in Luke chapter 19, we see a man by the name of Zacchaeus called to change his mind. And Jesus walks into town, looks up, and sees this wee little man, right, Uh, Zacchaeus, uh, sitting in a tree, and he says to him this in, in Luke chapter 19, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. 
All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be a guest at the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation comes to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. Now when you read that too fast, you can think, oh, salvation comes because he's willing to give money. No, it wasn't that. Two men, both of them, were called to change their minds about things, to alter the path of their journey. On, on the side of history, we see a Uh, On this side of history, we see a little bit differently who they really were. Because consider this, the rich young ruler uh, was a wonderfully religious guy, right? Just ask him, he would have told you, right? He was probably one of those guys. By all accounts, he followed the rules. He honored God with his life. And it seems that he wanted to ensure that he was doing everything right to gain eternal life. Um, He was the young man you would want your daughter to marry, parents, He was that kind of a guy. He was the young man many parents hoped their children would become. And in contrast to that, we have Zacchaeus, who's a tax collector. In other words, he was a traitor to his people. By all accounts, he wasn't religious. He cheated people out of their money. He partnered with Rome um, to exhort God's people. So if your daughter brought home Zacchaeus, it's possible you wouldn't want to let him in the home. Is that correct? If you did, there would probably be some very serious discussions once he left about this, you know, Zach, I don't know about him, honey, you know, and you'd have some really heart-to-heart conversations. And we even see an example of a religious person praying, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like this tax collector, right? It says in Luke chapter 18. So to see this in the way that it all went down, we might say the rich young ruler was the church-going guy and Zacchaeus was not. Now, let's compare their stories. Just as the wise men had a divine dream, the rich young ruler and Zacchaeus both had a divine calling to change their mind. Jesus tells the rich young ruler, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And Jesus knows that money has a hold on this guy. He knows that money has a hold on his heart. Jesus would love for this guy probably to join the caravan. Who knows? He might even become the next disciple. However, Jesus also knows that you cannot serve two masters, amen? It says in Matthew 6, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So he's calling this young man who's rich, he's loaded, he's calling him to change his mind about his money. And instead of serving money, he wants him to use his money to serve others, He's trying to get him to see money as a tool to fix and repair other people's lives. as something to be used to help others. And Jesus tells Zacchaeus, I must stay at your house. He didn't say, I want to. He didn't say, you know, the invitation's there. He said, I must stay at your house. You see, Jesus is well aware that Zacchaeus also serves money. However, Zacchaeus doesn't feel like it's a part of his family. He's Zacchaeus, he's been rejected by everyone, and he feels probably like he's the lone ranger. You know, in life, Jesus is calling Zacchaeus to change his mind about who he is and who Jesus is to him. And he says these two words. He says to Zacchaeus, come down. 
He says, come down. And as much about where he was in the tree, it was probably more so not just about physically where he was at, but in his thinking and in his life. He says to him, come down. Zacchaeus feels like he is above everybody else and at the same time below them because nobody likes him. Nobody gets along with him. Two men, rich young ruler and Zacchaeus, both with the divine call to change their mind about who they are and who they serve. And just as the wise men had to decide to change their path, the rich young ruler and Zacchaeus must decide if they will change as well. And that same decision's there for you and me. We're celebrating Christmas today because of a Savior come, came so that we can have the ability to change our mind and follow Him and serve Him. But here's three words I think we can all agree on. Change is difficult, isn't it? Change is difficult. And you may be here today and say, I don't think change is that difficult. You're probably meaning changing everybody else. But I'm talking about when change comes to you. Change is difficult. Our desire to change must eclipse our desire to stay the same because change is incredibly challenging. Jesus is calling this young man to give up his uh, identity. And even to this day, we identify that man as the rich young ruler. We, we still do that to this day. He has found his identity in stuff. He has found his identity in status. And Jesus tells him, if you want to find eternal life, you need to find your identity with me. This is the calling to actually change. It will change how he lives, who he associates with, how others see him. And if he says, okay, it's going to change everything in his life. His decision, the rich young ruler, is instantaneous. And this is the root of his immediate sorrow. Uh, he's not sad that Jesus said something. He's sad because he already decided, the rich young ruler did, he already decided he can't change. He already decided he couldn't. In contrast, Jesus gives Zacchaeus a divine calling, and the Bible says that he came down at once gladly and welcomed Jesus. Sometimes change is so exciting, we don't even think about the implications I don't think Zacchaeus knew what he was getting into, being able to come down from that place and identify with Jesus as his Savior. In fact, as Zacchaeus was shimmying down the tree, um, he honestly had no idea that what seemed like a simple decision was going to be a life-altering decision for him. And one yes to Jesus would change the entire journey for the rest of Zacchaeus' life. I remember that time when that yes came from me to Jesus. It changed my life. And it's not about following people, it's not about following money, it's not about following status, it's about following Jesus. That's why he came. But he did say that when you say yes to me, and you, you decide, and you, you're dedicated to it, he also says that it doesn't mean that you won't have any problems in this world. As a matter of fact, John 16, 33, up there it'll show you, in this world you will have, tr you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So if you're here today and you're listening to Jesus and going through troubles, don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't, don't lose heart. Jesus has overcome the world. You see, while we hold on to Jesus, overcoming the world as we should, we should also not miss out on the, the, the first uh, part of the passage here. Zacchaeus' decision to invite Jesus to his home was also 
an invitation to the challenges and troubles of being a follower of Jesus. Anybody here ever say yes to Jesus, invite him into your heart, and you never had a problem after that? No. If anything, it probably felt kind of like a honeymoon period, you know, for about a month or two, and then all of a sudden it felt like it was worse. You know, we still face these troubles, but Zacchaeus, he's going to have to learn to live with less income. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe following Jesus and, and saying yes means that you have less political power or less influence in certain areas uh, of life, but his decision for more of Jesus may just cause him less of other things. Saying yes to Jesus means you may not get as much as you thought you would, but you're going to get more than you ever thought. God has a way of blessing you. Isn't it interesting when I'm reading the Bible, this is just chasing a rabbit for a minute, but isn't it interesting to think about the rich young ruler? He's offered life with Jesus, but Zacchaeus was merely offered dinner. (laughs) You see, it was an invitation to something personal. You see, both of these decisions would change their lives in many different ways. Just as the wise men dedicated themselves to the decision, so would the rich young ruler. And, And Zacchaeus dedicated himself as well. In Mark chapter 10, we see the rich young ruler went away grieving. That's what the Bible tells us. He went away grieving. He didn't have to, but he was dedicated to the decision to not change. That that, that was his choice because he found his identity in the things in life. He found his identity in his money. He found his identity in his status. He was dedicated to continuing to live the way he had been living rather than choosing to follow Jesus. Now, we've all been there to some degree. We've all had moments when our journey finds us on a road of regret about a decision that maybe we've made. Many of those decisions were tied to the fact that we were unwilling to change our minds about something in life. And even now, just Hearing those words, hearing this message, most of us maybe have been reminded of times we wish we could go back and change rather than stay the same. We have tasted the rich young ruler's grief maybe at some points in our life, yet like him, we stay dedicated to that decision not to change. But on the other hand, Zacchaeus is the poster child for dedication. He's the poster child for learning to change your mind. Look at his dedication. He said, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Now that's dedication, isn't it? That's dedication. Sometimes we forget that dedication is costly. Right up front, he's giving away half of everything that he has. There's no obligation for him to do this. This is an offering. That, that he's giving up. He's, he, he's not giving it to people he owes. He's giving it to people that are in need. And he, he is starting to understand that money's a tool and it's not a treasure. If giving away half of what he has to the poor isn't dedication enough, he said, I'm going to give back four times what I've cheated anybody out on. Now, can you just stop with me for a minute and think for a minute about what living on half of your income would look like? Just take your income and chop it in half and give it away to those in need. And then on top of that, if you've wronged anybody, you're going to give them back four times that amount. He was so dedicated to that process. You know, we've seen two men 
who were given a divine call to change their mind about big things in life. They both made decisions that would affect the path they took in this journey of life. And both of them experienced the cost of being dedicated to their decision. But in the end, one went away incredibly sad and one went away incredibly satisfied. You know, what we celebrate here today as we come to Christmas is that we have a Savior who has set things up so that when we make a decision and dedicate ourselves to Him, He's already paved the way. But pastor, I don't see what the next step is. No, but he does. But pastor, I don't know what the next season will look like. No, but he does. Pastor, I don't know if I can do this. Oh, he knows you can already because he's calling you and he's asking us to make those decisions. And in the end, the choice is going to be, are we going to choose to follow him and hear his voice? Or are we going to listen to ours? Let me close with the words of another wise man, the apostle Paul. He said in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What are the patterns of your world? We always make, make it about the outside of the world, you know, outside of the church, the, the secular world. But what if you looked at the world that you you just, that you live in? What if you reconsidered how you made decisions this, this year? Based on, not the world, not based on family, not based on friends, but based on that baby that came to be in a manger to grow and to minister and ultimately give his life so that we could have life eternal. You see, it, Another thing worth noting about this passage is that Paul uses the word there that translates to renewing. He says, renew your mind. That can also be translated change of heart or change of life. In other words, it seems like Paul calls the Christians in Rome to be open to changing their mind about things. Jesus would use this phrase several times. You have heard it said, but this is what I say, right? You have heard it said. You have heard it taught to you. You have heard it communicated. But this is what I say. This is what I'm calling you to do. This is the change I'm calling you to embrace. You see, in the church, we can tend to get sometimes stagnant and want to avoid change. And, and this is a great comfort. And at the same time, it can be scary. However, there's going to be times when change is needed, when change is necessary. It could be as simple as changing the direction of your journey home or as complicated as changing your mind about where you're going to find your identity. Wise men and wise women, they seek Jesus above everything else, above everything else. And from time to time, they also need to change their mind and alter their direction according to the voice of the Lord. My prayer for us this Christmas season is that as we celebrate the birth of our Savior, we don't just see Jesus in a manger who came and now we get to celebrate once a year the fact that Jesus came. We should be celebrating every day of the year, every moment of the day, the fact that we have a great hope and that hope is found in Jesus. But when you feel hopeless, many times it's because we've let something or someone else be the wrong source. But what if God's telling me to change? How do you not know? It's for the better. 
Because I can guarantee you his word says that I have a future, a plan for you, a hope. He wants you to prosper. And so I want you to think this year. Jesus, what is it you're calling me to adjust? What are you calling me to outright change? It could be as simple. I don't even want to use too many analogies, but it could be very simple or it could be very difficult in your world. But both of those spectrums ain't nothing but a thing for him. What he wants to know is, is are you willing to allow his Holy Spirit to change your heart and life? That's the greatest gift you can give God, saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. And when you embrace him, you're not just embracing salvation, you're embracing the whole package. The fact that he says, I will lead you. I will direct you. Yeah, yeah there's going to be hurdles, but I, I got them covered as long as you're with me. And so my prayer for you as family and friends today is that the peace of God would teach us that when change comes, we don't have to run or be afraid, but we lean into him and embrace him so that we don't have to always remain the same, that he can continue to develop, that he can continue to lead us. So that's one of the greatest gifts we can give God is to just simply, Lord, here I am. And like David, pray, change my heart, oh God. Make it ever new. I want to ask if you just close your eyes with me today. And I'm going to ask you today, and I'm not going to call anybody out, I'm not going to embarrass you, but maybe you're here today and the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. Well, how would I know that? Well, you, you just got that sense. You feel that tugging in your heart. Maybe you're here today and he's calling for a change. There's something that, like we've been singing about this morning, that we need to surrender. I want to ask everyone, would you just put your hands out in front of you? Whatever that is, even if you don't have anything you feel like you need to surrender, we'll just, everybody, put your hands out. And if you're here today and there's something you need to surrender, just kind of visualize that in your hands. Uh, maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's your children, maybe it's your parents, maybe it's your job, it's your future, your hope. I, I don't know, whatever it is. It's there in your hands. And Jesus, you see, we're, we're laying this before you right now. Father, we're asking you to come and to change our hearts. We want our hearts to identify with you and not what we do and not with who we know, but with you. So Father, we lay this down at your feet. And if you need to, just physically lay it down with your hands and say, Jesus, this is yours because I want more than anything else. I just want you, Jesus. I just want you. So Father, I thank you that as we celebrate around many homes today, that the greatest gift we could ever unpackage is the hope and the potential that you've placed with inside of our lives. We simply ask in Jesus' name, amen.